Welcome to The Good Night Show. I'm Shay Morrison, sleep expert and co-founder of The Good Night Co. Join me each week for hints and tips on all things sleep. Hello and welcome back to The Good Night Show. It's estimated that about 45% of the adult population snore. With a statistic this significant, it's pretty safe to assume that we've all shared a room with a snorer at some point. Whether it's your partner, your child, your dog, or a friend, or maybe you're a snorer yourself. Well, today's episode goes out to you. I'm joined once again by Dr. David Shirazi from the Sleep Therapy Center in California. And today we're delving deeper into what causes people to snore, the two kinds of snoring, and how doing a sleep study could change or even save your life. Spoiler alert, it's definitely not worth losing sleep over a snore. Welcome, Dr. David Shirazi. It's so great to have you back. And for any of our listeners that haven't yet listened to our episode on sleep, dentistry and acupuncture, please go back and listen to that episode. But I'd love to reintroduce Dr. David Shirazi. He's joining us all the way from LA. And um, David, maybe for those who haven't listened, if you could just introduce yourself and talk about what it is that you do. It's great to be back. I really enjoyed our last session. And I hope uh, this one is great for your listeners as well. Fabulous. So I am a dentist. I'm an acupuncturist. I have a master's in psychology. And for about five years, I was a sleep technologist and I have my own sleep lab and a couple of centers that focus on TMJ disorders and snoring and sleep apnea. Great. So David is very well versed in all things to do with sleep. And, um, and it's great to have him on because today what we want to talk about, which we sort of touched on in our last episode was around snoring. And I know that snoring is a very big issue for lots of people. It doesn't just affect men or old men. It affects all ranges of ages of people and females as well. That's what I would love to pick your brains about. And I guess one of those questions, you know, there's so many things that we can uncover here, but why is it, um, David, that some people snore and some don't? Snoring, which is very similar to sleep apnea, they're, mm. they're very interest, intricately connected, is by and large what we call a neuromuscular tone deficiency. So there isn't enough basal muscle tone in the upper pharyngeal airways in the tongue. And, you know, the tissue can get floppy when we're in deeper stages of sleep, right? You can also have an obstruction in your nose, you know, your valves, your turbinates, your adenoids, and in your throat and your tongue. But in the absence of that, it's typically because of a loss of neuromuscular tone. And I wanted to highlight something that you said about it's not just men and, you know, it's not women are, they did a study, I saw a study on college aged females, 18 to 22, with a BMI under 20. That means they're thin. Mm. Okay. And 50% of them tested positive for sleep apnea. Really? Sleep studies. Yeah. So, it, you know, we have, I, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but we have a pretty sedentary lifestyle yeah. out here. Like, you know, no one's chasing down their food. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, we're pretty laid back and people are social media is, is getting big and people mm. are glued to their, you know, their phones and they're not really getting out. They're, they're getting the same stimulation that they would get from the gym, from their phones. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a big part of it. And then of course there's nasal patency, being able to breathe through your nose properly. Right. So there's that in my world, I have, I, I acknowledge two kinds of snoring. 
Mm-hmm. When someone has any kind of nasal obstruction, they do a tongue rubbing up against a soft palate snore, which mm-hmm. is with the mouth open. Very yeah. common. It's usually the loudest snores. And that's why it's usually men. Right. With nasal snoring, mm. their lips are still together mm. um, and they snore through their nose. And it sounds like this. Oh, you understand? And, that's, yeah. and I did that with my lips closed. Yeah. 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 So you, you can usually it's, it sounds more like a purr when mm. you're nasal snoring, but it's still a snore. Yeah. You talked about that study in those um, female college aged mm-hmm. students. Why? What are they saying? Is there is there something that's changed in society where um, this is becoming more common or has it always been this way? Well, OK, so sleep apnea is a very new profession in the Western world. Right. Mm. If we look at Chinese medicine, it's at least twenty five hundred years old, more yeah. likely closer to five thousand. Ayurvedic medicine is about 6,000 years old. Mm. Traditional Western medicine, allopathic medicine is about 200, 225 years old. Sleep apnea and even the study of sleep is barely 40 years old. Mm. So we didn't have studies, right? There's very little things to compare it to. Mm. And I, I hate to sound it's condescending. I don't mean it to sound like that, but in allopathic medicine, they, they often don't look at functional mm. reasons and functional solutions. They just sort of look at it as a lab value or a, a number, a statistic. Mm. So, you know, like, like for example, um, I was at a conference and one of the things we know, I think we talked about it last time, that we get all our growth hormone from one stage of sleep, right? Mm-hmm. The delta. And let's say either an adult or child who had snoring or sleep apnea, they have retarded Delta and retarded REM sleep. And when you restore the airway, whether it's with the CPAP, tonsil and adenoid removal, functional orthodontics, whatever the the methodology, there is what's called a rebound, meaning their, their Delta, for example, if their Delta was retarded, they get extra Delta. Mm. Right. And if you ask an, uh, an ENT or a sleep physician, why do children gain on average eight pounds, right, which is like three and a half kilos uh, after their tonsil or adenoidectomy, mm. the, the answer you get is, well, probably because their airway was their diaphragm and their intercostal muscles were working so hard to help them breathe. Mm-hmm. And now they're eating the same amount of food and they're no longer using their muscles. Well, that's not why. <laughs> right. So, um, when you have a rebound of Delta, it's, it's the equivalent of injecting 30 milligrams of, of growth hormone into mm. you. And if you grow, you're going to weigh more. Yeah. And muscle weighs eight times more than fat. You're just going to grow. Yeah. And you're going to be heavier because you grow. Right. Yeah. And, but this is a very typical, just sort of like treat the kids as little adults, sort of mentality that we find in our current medical system. Um, But to try to answer the question better, um, we never looked, you know, we have a, we have a joke in my field, the acronym WNL is supposed to stand for within normal limits, uh, but it really stands for, we never looked. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 
All right. Well, that's a good good explanation. But if you were, um, you know, being a mother of a, a, an eight-year-old who was a mouth breather and had enlarged tonsils and, and all sorts of things going on, so that the advice was to go and get the, um, she had her adenoids and her turbinates um, removed. But, and it's interesting. at eight. Removed, yes. Wow. And, um, you know, I don't know that it's entirely fixed the problem. See, with the, the adenoidectomy or tonsillectomy, I'm a little bit partial to that because, one, there's a lot of studies and um, you can even grow back your tonsils and adenoids sometimes, right? Right. Because it's lymphatic tissue. Mm. But we need the mucosa and our turbinates. It's a very specialized tissue. We don't have it anywhere else in the body. Right. So on an eight-year-old, yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty shoddy. So if it didn't work, so for example, all the different modalities that mm-hmm. we have for pediatric sleep apnea, whether it's CPAP, you know, the surgery, or what's called functional orthodontic, where they expand mm-hmm. the palate. Mm-hmm. The actual one that works the best in children is the functional orthodontics because mm. it'll still work if they have enlarged tonsils and adenoids. Mm. It'll still work if they have uh, obesity, mm. right? Whereas the other two modalities may not work as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But this is something that real is existing, isn't it? So there is, right. um, you know, within children, so snor- as we mentioned earlier, there is a snoring problem within children, within young adults and adults. And so maybe. And it's the most severe in children. Yeah. Children are the most sensitive to any level of sleep apnea. And, and can, but it can be solved. It's not, this is not a lifetime sentence. It can be sorted out, but you need to go and You can literally, this is the very few times we can say this. Yeah. You can literally cure sleep apnea in children with functional orthodontics. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cause right. the tonsillectomy, the CPAP, they don't cure the problem. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so yeah. then if we were moving on from children, um, well, if we're talking about it as a, as a general issue for, for society, snoring and sleep, what are some of the, the, the problems that are encountered through snorers when it comes to sleep? You know, this is that, that what age group? Well, for, for well, maybe break it down into, is it the same for children as it is? Oh, for adults it's, complete, or? it's completely different. Okay. So pediatric neurology is basically opposite of adult neurology. So whereas in adults with chronic sleep apnea, fatigue is one of the very first mm. symptoms, Yeah. right? In children, they become hyperactive mm. or they become attention de- deficit where they just sit around and run around and behavioral issues still behavioral challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And I was one of them. I was ADD, ADHD growing up. I had sleep apnea. No one knew. My mom was a dentist. My dad was a pharmacist. No one knew. Yeah. Okay. So in in adults associated with, uh, it can cause hypertension. It can cause type two diabetes. Mm. Um, And therefore, if you treat the sleep apnea, there are studies that lots of studies that verify this, you can resolve your high blood pressure if you also have sleep apnea and you resolve the sleep apnea. Mm. You can resolve or improve your type 2 diabetes if you also have sleep apnea and you resolve your sleep apnea, right? 
um, sleep apnea is associated uh, directly or indirectly with almost every disease I can think of outside mm -hmm. of a genetic one. Yeah. Right. Because it creates so much inflammation and inflammation is behind everything. Yeah. Right. So in, in children, they get the opposite. They get ADD and hyperactivity, uh, behavioral challenges, academic challenges and growth challenges. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas an adult, they're no longer growing, mm -hmm. but their repair mechanism goes down their mental faculties go down. So for example, uh, there was a brilliant study with over 1400 patients that had in lab testing age 30 to 60 that had depression. Mm. And the patients were asked, the subjects were asked, rate your depression on what's called the Zung's depression scale from as little as I have sad thoughts often to I consider suicide on a daily basis, right? So when they conducted sleep studies on them, lo and behold, they found the, the admitted rate of depression was completely one-to-one -one with the rate and severity of sleep apnea. Right. So the worse their sleep apnea, the worse the depression. Mm. And like I said, it was a very large study and it was very well conducted. Mm. So, and it was, it was published in a peer-reviewed journal. So it was, a, it was a very strong study. We see that with anxiety, if you ever do want to look up the literature, the term is psychosocial, psychosocial issues. Yeah. yeah. And so you could look up sleep apnea with psychosocial issues, right? And again, we also have studies with both CPAP and um, oral appliance therapy, which is what our centers do mm -hmm. um, in the great improvement of psychosocial conditions with the, with the resolution of their sleep apnea. And now it's time for a quick break. Are you having trouble falling asleep? Calm your busy mind and drift off with the Goodnight Co. Deep Sleep Drops. Using a combination of naturally derived ingredients, our deep sleep drops have been scientifically formulated to help you naturally achieve a deep, restful sleep. Just eight drops under the tongue before bed can help you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. We're offering you 20% off your next purchase of our deep sleep drops with the discount code podcast20. Try them today. Available at thegoodnightco.com.au. And, and so if you were an adult that was, um, you know, either yourself suffering, you know, know that you're a snorer or your partner's told you you're a snorer, yeah. what, what, what should those people be doing? You know, not just putting up with it and just, you know. Get either... a sleep study. I mean, get, you know, yeah. getting a sleep study, you have to sometimes be firm. And it's okay to do an in-home study mm -hmm. if an in-lab study is too challenging. Um, but do something, do an, do an in lab, do an in-home study at, you know, ask your doctor, you know, I, I want to do this. It should be a covered benefit, mm. you know, when you have a socialized system like you guys do. Yeah. Um, and then once you have it and, and if you're positive, then you can do something about it. And what, what would the, some of the, cause you know, for somebody who's sitting there thinking, you know, oh, I just know I'm a snorer and I'm a snorer and I know it bothers okay. my partner or whatever, but it, it, this could change their life. Couldn't it? You know, this could, it could save their life, not yeah. just change their life. It could yeah. save their life. Yeah. It is not a joke. Um, the Cleveland clinic did a study. They started out with, I believe 1100 patients 
And they did sleep studies on both the husband and wife at the same time. Yeah. And on average, where the one bed partner had sleep apnea, snoring and sleep apnea, and the other one didn't, they found that the partner that had the apnea on average had 27 arousals an hour, Mm. right? The most, the, the part that causes inflammation and and problems is the arousal. Well, the bed partner with no apnea had 21 arousals an hour. Yeah. Right. So they started with these 1100 people and they whittled it down to 150 people that could stay with the CPAP. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't do follow-up studies on the bed partners, but they asked the bed partners, since your partner has been on CPAP, how are you different? And they're like, wow, my headaches are gone. My mood is better. My children tell me I'm more agreeable. I have more energy throughout the day, uh, and et cetera, and et cetera. So the bed partner having compromised sleep is not good. No. Not, it's not negotiable, really. And, and it really pe- isn't. people are putting up with it because they put up with it. And that's just what society says to do. But, you know, if you want to wake up in the morning feeling refreshed and feeling great, able to tackle the world, you don't have off days. As you said, you know, you're more agreeable. Your mood is fantastic. Why would you not do it? You know, it, it makes so much makes sense. sense. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, people just get used to it. They get used to a certain way of living. And, um, you know, especially if you've had it as a kid, it's like normal. Yeah. You know, I remember the first night I wore a sleep apnea appliance Mm. was about almost 20 years ago. It was about 19 years ago. I wore a sleep apnea appliance. I woke up never feeling so good. Mm. Like I, I just was. I felt so refreshed, but I had no complaints. Yeah. Like I didn't know I had snoring or sleep apnea. I didn't know. Mm. But when I wore it and I woke up the next day, wow, what a difference. Yeah. What a difference. But but so so when we're talking about this, not everybody who is a snorer is going to have to wear a sleep apnea device. Are there some That's other right. things that they can yes. do to make change? So if you were... Well, if you weren't at the extreme of sleep apnea, what would that look like? Yeah, and we should say, um, if you do have severe sleep apnea, wearing a CPAP is usually their best option. I yeah. will admit that. Yeah. Um, m- snores and mild to moderate apneics, depending on the situation, sometimes weight loss is what they need. Yeah. Sometimes they need to clear up their nose. Like I, you know, as you know, mm-hmm. I recommend a nasal valve dilator to help them breathe through their nose better. That's great for snores. Uh, and of course, number one is oral appliance therapy. Yes. Right? Okay. You can have an appliance made by a dentist yeah. that specializes in TMJ and sleep disorders, and it opens up your airway. And it also helps with your clenching on top of it. Um, the over-the-counter stuff, you know, I need to put, I need to say okay to over-the-counter, but with an asterisk. Mm -hmm. on it so you know the concept of one is like you know you pick one up over the counter dip it in hot water and mold it to your teeth yeah oh this is like a mouth guard this is the mouth guard from a from a store yes do you guys have cbs out in australia no oh thank goodness so (laughs) so but you know those 
boil and bite appliances, uh, they disintegrate and you throw yeah. them away and then you have to get a new one. But the thing is, they don't disintegrate in the shelf at the pharmacy they, or at the chemist, as you call it. <laughs> they disintegrate where it's 98.7 degrees and wet. So you are swallowing the plastic. Mm. There's no way around it. You're swallowing yeah. the plastic. Okay. Okay. So then now you're now you have to deal with the consequences of what that petroleum product is that you've been swallowing. Mm. Um, but at the same time, let's say you're going to go on a family trip. You're going to go on a hunting trip with your mates or something. And you, and you know, you snore, you know mm. it. Okay. And you don't want to ruin it for everybody. And obviously, you know, it it'll, might take a while to get a sleep study in an oral appliance. So you could then go to a chemist, get the appliance, have it made, have it molded, wear it on the trip. And mm -hmm. then when you come back, get on with getting your sleep study and get on with having a proper treatment. Yeah. And, and I'm somebody who um, has recently had a mouth guard made for sleeping. I've, I've had mouth guards over, over, you know, the last 20 years, but I had a recent one made and it is fabulous. And it's completely, I, I used to wake up with feeling really tight in my jaw, but it's completely changed the way that my mouth and my jaw feel in the mornings. And I know that I'm not um, clenching and grinding and, and causing all of these problems as well. Brilliant. Yes. Highly recommend it. Yeah, I do too. Good. Um, so if you were some, so, so these are some of the things that people could do is, is, um, you know, go and talk to their doctors about getting a sleep study, um, that they could do at home if they don't want to do one in clinic. Um, they could speak to the, you know, seeing a functional dentist would be the preference, but going yes. and talking about getting, um, and some sort of mouth guard appliance made looking at the nasal, um, applicators, which I've also used based on your recommendation, which helps open up that airway, um, and, you know, dare I say it, but in the interim is that if you do have a partner who snores, try sleeping in separate bedrooms <laughs> because it, it is it is having an effect not only on the snorer but on the, the partner. Yeah, uh, totally. And it will affect the partner. There's no way around that. And, and can, do you think that um, the moderate snorers, so not quite at the sleep, sleep apnea stage, um, by doing these things that can really um, make some differences to their sleep well, and can prevent from getting to that severe stage potentially? It's possible. Actually, there's three studies that I know of. There's probably more now from Australia on the benefits of learning how to use a didgeridoo in reducing snoring and sleep apnea by 50%. What we do see in longitudinal studies is on average, whatever your level is, whether, whether you started out with just snoring, if we follow up with you 20 years later, you'll have sleep apnea, mm -hmm. mild to moderate. Mm -hmm. If you were younger and you just had a little bit of mild apnea, 20 years later, you'll be moderate to severe. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a progressive disease, if you will think of it that way. So anything you can do to tighten up your muscle tone, to lose weight, to make sure you have proper nasal patency. Um, all of these things are going to be factors. Mm. And one of those things that we talked about, I think last time as well, is that singing can be a, um, a good exercise to help it can be. with the, the tone. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that the other, um, I did some research after we spoke and Kundalini yoga 
is um, promotes the circular breathing. So they mm. they do a, a process as well. So so there are there are things that you can do. And and what we're really also talking about is um, getting people to to be, try to become um, nose breathers. You know, so breathing through the nose. Yes. Not mouth Agreed. breathing. So Agreed. that's the, that's a big part of it. And I find that's a part that goes largely unnoticed. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to encourage that as well. So there are some great, um, you need to talk to a specialist about it first or your doctor or your mm-hmm. dentist, but there is some great tape that you can, um, that you can get these days, particularly to wear at nighttime, um, but to encourage the, the, the nasal Amazing. breathing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can link all those things in the show notes. But I think that, you know, really, I think, David, that covers off um, what we wanted to talk about. And to give some people some some steps and advice in what they could look at doing if they feel mm-hmm. like they are a snorer or their partner's a snorer or their children are snorers, um, uh, and just go and get that initial advice first from your doctor or your health practitioner um, and make some make some changes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I strongly uh, agree with that statement. Because as you said, it's not only going to change how they feel, but it could, you know, prevent a lot of long-term, um, give them extra yeah, no, life. I mean, Parkinson's, stroke, heart attack, all of these are associated with sleep apnea. Yeah. Even pediatric coronary artery disease is associated with sleep apnea. Wow. Yeah. So the advice is here, people go and, and speak to somebody. If you are a snorer, or if your partner is a snorer and get it checked out. Um, don't wait any longer because, you know, not only could tomorrow be a better day for you by having better sleep, but can help with any of those long-term problems. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Thank you, David. It was such a pleasure to have you on again today. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your week in LA um, and mm-hmm. hopefully we get to chat again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you. Cheers, yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Good Night Show. If you're keen to learn more about our guests or any of the topics we've spoken about today, hop on over to the Goodnight Co. closed Facebook community group or check us out at thegoodnightco.com.au. And if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast provider by searching The Goodnight Show. And if you love what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a glowing review. Thanks, everyone.